The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. Well, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Ben. I'm the associate pastor here at Morningstar Baptist Church. And I'm joined by our lead pastor, John Decker. What's going on, John? Not much, man. It's actually good to see you. It's like we haven't... <laughs> I know. We've both been so busy, man. It's like the first time we've actually sat down, I think, in the same room together in a week. <laughs> yeah, where we're not like in a scheduled meeting. Right, exactly. We've, we've been together, <laughs> we but have. it's been like we have. on our calendar. I know. Um, but the good thing about... Totally not what we're talking about today. The good thing about our relationship, we, we enjoy working together. We enjoy hanging out and... And so we usually get to spend a lot of time driving around Centerville and doing all kinds of stuff, but it's been really busy last last couple of weeks, really. Really, yeah. I mean, being in this area, be both being kind of new to the area, we're learning um, different stuff about the town. We're learning they closed one of our roads down that we're <laughs> used to driving down, so um, which is like a direct path between the church and my house. And so right. I, obviously there's other ways to go, but all that kind of stuff has just been... been uh, fun to to navigate together and right. now we've had two just busy ministry weeks which is exciting i yeah. mean morning star is holy cow the things the lord's doing here are incredible and yep. overwhelming and we're just you know trying to stay out of the way that's, best we that's, know how. that's what we say all the time right we're just trying to stay out of god's way because it really has been phenomenal and and it is busy but again i think we said this last week but it's not just busy work it's mm-hmm. just stuff that needs to be done that we're getting done but god's doing it through us and it's it's it is fun it really is it really is and you've got a good week this week your kids are on spring break so you're going to get some some opportunity to spend time with family which is so important it is we're going to hang out i think we're going to try to go down to the ark down there in kentucky awesome um, sometime this week and just hang out and just chill even though the last two days it's still been working <laughs> it's not been there's no been there's no chill <laughs> there's no the last few days nope, nope. and um but boy we are we're excited about our, our topic today because i think it's something that whether it's in church life or in life in general maybe you listen to this podcast you're not a church person um this one i think is really going to resonate with where we all are mm-hmm. and uh we're kind of calling it the comparison game yeah just this idea that we look at everything else around us. We look at all the people around us and not necessarily what's true, but what they're portraying. Mm-hmm. And um, we compare that to ourselves. We use that as a measuring stick for our life and it throws all kinds of turmoil. And so we're going to kind of dive in this week um, to what it's like to live in this world of comparison, whether it's the church world of comparison or whether it's just the the world in general that is so comparison driven. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this is that nobody's immune to this. Mm-hmm. This goes all the way back to the beginning. Satan got Eve to fall by by getting her to compare her life then to what it could be if if God wasn't the way Satan put it hiding something from you, right? Yeah. Um it's all about getting us to compare because when we compare 
uh, start comparing what it does, it leads to discontentment. And so I love this quote. I saw it just the other day. It said, if Eve wasn't content in the garden, what makes me think I will be content if only my circumstances were different or if only my life was like their life or if only my marriage was like their marriage mm-hmm. or if only I had their money or, and so what I, well, we kind of want everybody to know this. It nobody's immune, even pastors. Right. We, especially pastors sometimes. Especially, and so uh, Ben's looking at me because he knows that that's, well, it, I, I it's, mean, it's all of us. We, we play that. We look at the numbers and we do for us. People are like, why do pastors care about numbers? And at, at our heart, we really care about numbers because it represents souls. It, it represents people. And people are like, why are they, why do they care about the numbers? Why are they always wanting to, to know what we have here? And in our heart, it, it is a hundred percent about the, the idea of we want to see more people come to know Jesus. Absolutely. But what comes really easy is when we get around other pastors and those questions of what are your numbers looking like come out and you're trying to figure out how do I frame my numbers in a certain way. So we talk about the growth and not what we don't have. And you get in this this comparison game, mm-hmm. especially among pastors. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely not immune either. It's just it's just natural. It's human nature. It's mm-hmm. it's sin nature. We're going to call it what it is. And, yeah. and when I fall into it, it's the same thing. It's that's my brokenness coming to the surface. And, you know, you, you, you see a guy who's or, or, or a pastor there, you know, their church is just all of a sudden just exploding in growth. Mm-hmm. And you know what the first thing that goes through some pastors minds and, and me included is, man, why, man, where am I failing? Why am I a failure? We're, we're not, you know, we're not running this or we're not doing that. And, but they are. And, and so it's just, man, Satan uses it to build discontentment. He uses it to bring in discouragement. And it's it, it really does affect every area of our life, and it affects every person. And so while as ministry leaders we can, we do the comparison game too, we, we do it in every area of our life. And mm-hmm. I just mentioned a while ago, you know, I see it sometimes when you're working with couples or you're dealing with people. We, we look at another marriage, and you're like, man— they have it all together. Right. Why can't my marriage be like that? Or why can't my husband be like that guy? Or why can't my wife, if my wife would just like, would be just like her, it would be perfect. And, but you know, honestly, we're one of the worst tools right now. It's a good tool because we love it, but it's social media is really, right. Really becoming the source of bad comparison because nobody puts anything on social media that's bad. Like, right. Like Manny and I don't post our worst days and marriage mm-hmm. on social media. You know what I'm saying? But it's most of the photos. If you go to our social media pages, it's, it's, we're laughing, we're happy. We're, we're posing with the kids or all that kind of, and it's just, it's a, and so we can get caught in the trap of thinking that's everybody's life. And really it is affecting not even just, and we, we like to pick on young people about it a lot. And I have a Absolutely. lot of, I have a lot of statistics about young people cause it is affecting them oh, a yeah. lot. But you know it's creeping into every generation. You know, right now we've got the youngest generation, uh, which we call Gen Z. Yeah. Uh, then we have the millennials, which is the ones that are right for them. Then uh, Generation Xers, which is what my generation was. Then you got the baby boomers, and and then our our older generations. It's starting to creep up the ladder. No doubt. I mean, what we're what we're seeing on a lot of times, and it, as a youth pastor, sometimes it drives me crazy. When I hear older people, those teenagers are always on social media comparing to one another. <laughs> it drives me crazy because that sentiment is not wrong. Mm-hmm. However, I go on social media, and depending on the media that you're on, sometimes it's dominated not even by millennials. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all the generations above that. Right. You know, Facebook is one that is dominated by older 
generations. Right. And that's really Gen Xers and above really is who uses Facebook more. Right. right. And, and those, it's like the comparison game is not just a young man's game. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a human being game and it goes all the way back, like you said, to the very first issue that we've had as as a human race of being discontent is all comparison driven. It really is. And the study came out, it wasn't too long ago, and it was really, um, it was for um, Gen Z and millennials, but the numbers actually translate up the scale. Like we're talking about, go all go up the ladder. Here's what it says. The 51% of people polled said that happiness is the ultimate goal in life. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, how's that deal with the comparison game? Here's what they do. 39% of people said that looking at other people's posts on social media makes them feel bad about the lack of happiness and excitement in their own life. So that's, that's, those are pretty astounding where we, okay. So we have 50% of our population anyway, saying that happiness is the ultimate goal in life and the source of their happiness, what they're trying to find it is measuring their life up with other people they see on social media. But again, we talked about just a minute ago, everybody posting on social media is posting pictures of them smiling at Disney world or at the lake or doing all these really cool things. Well, if you're down at Disney world and I'm up here in Dayton, Ohio, and it's snowing up here and you're down there and wearing shorts and t-shirts and you guys are walking around the sun laughing, having a good time in all your social media posts. And I'm sitting inside for the eighth day in a row. I'm going to start feeling, man, right. Like he's happy. I'm not. And really what's happening is people are starting when they compare like that, they're, they're starting to equate their life as being a failure because remember the ultimate goal in life is happiness. Yeah, I'm not happy right now, but Ben is happy right now. I'm seeing mm-hmm. all over the place, and here's what's here's the scary part of that. And we call it the fear of missing out, right? The FOMO. Yep. Younger people are going to understand that 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 language being FOMO, um, but it's also this idea of the fear of not measuring up. Yeah, and here's here's some scary things. I just want I mean, scary in a way. I just want to share this because you and I both have a passion. For teenagers, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we both are, have youth pastor hearts. So it's just yeah. that kind of we both have started our ministry as as youth related um, in, in our nature. It there's this thing that says seventeen percent, or basically one out of six high school students last year seriously considered suicide. Yeah, seriously considered suicide. Like they were, mm-hmm. they were. It was beyond this that saying of man, I, just, I hate my life. Like they were contemplating, making plans for. How can I end my life? And the study that I read said this. It said that the average age for someone to get a smartphone and social media is 10.3 years old. Wow. So we're putting these ultimate comparison boxes and and access to the ultimate comparisons in life. And remember, the goal of life is happiness, according to all you talk to all these younger people. And we're putting this device in their hands at 10 years old give them access to social media at 10 years old right. where they're doing nothing but comparing their life. And here's the interesting thing. Since 2007, the average age at which young people commit suicide is getting younger and younger. Right. Since 2007, the average age of people committing suicide is getting younger and younger. And 2007 is the year that smartphones came out. Right. And so the studies are showing that now look, is that a direct relate related link? We don't know. Right. But it's interesting to look at those numbers. Right. And then the last thing I want to share out of that part is that one last year, one third of the teenagers admitted to the ER, admitted to the emergency room, were at risk of suicide. Yeah. A third of the teenagers across our country admitted to the emergency room last year were at risk of suicide. And it really comes down 
to that comparison game because happiness is the ultimate goal in life. I'm going right. to find whether I'm happy or not. It's going to be judged by whether I compare myself to, to whomever on social media. Mm-hmm. And man, and all we see is the good stuff from other people and we just don't measure up. Right. And, and I actually sat um, on a, an organization at a school. I'm in the Cincinnati area um, where we ran a mental health awareness week um, that was primarily focused on suicide awareness. Um, I spoke to the school about suicide awareness and, and that was a, a huge thing that schools are being mandated to do on a federal level and mandated to do on a state level is to cover this idea of mental health mm-hmm. um, because it's just rampant. And it's and we're, we're seeing things that people are saying that it's getting to an epidemic level where we've almost reached level to to have to consider this mental health crisis an epidemic and and it all comes down to i don't have either what i think i should have or what they have Mm -hmm. and that comparison game can just be literally and figuratively fatal right it it really can and um donna fritas she wrote a a a book called the happiness effect uh, talking about this social media phenomenon what you're talking about too and she, she says this, because young people feel so pressured to post happy things on social media, most of what everyone sees on social media from their peers are happy things, right? Yeah. And as a result, they often feel inferior because they aren't actually happy all the time. And again, I know we're picking on, on young people, um, but here's the deal. It, we're all affected by that. Right. And it's not just, I want to go back to this idea. It's not just social media. Mm-hmm. It's every aspect of our life. Well, man, Joe got the promotion at work. I didn't. I'm a failure, right? right. Why can't I get that? Um, this couple over here seems to have it all together. We've been struggling for years now. Why can't we get it together? Why can't, and it's, and it's you know, it's their fault. Why, why can't my husband or my wife, again, change mm-hmm. their ways to be, we're comparing that. Even with our kids, right? Man, this couple, their kids over here that they never act up, right? They're right. they're they're good students. They don't seem to have any kind of uh, a problem. My kids are just driving me up the wall, and it's just a nonstop battle for everything. Why can't my kids be like their kids? And so, two elements to that. One is again, we're not seeing, and we got to remind ourselves, we're not seeing the whole picture. There's no way you're seeing the right. whole picture of what their life their life isn't perfect it's not all together you're seeing the snapshots of it and um and the other thing is is that again it's just building discontentment in our heart and again it's one of the biggest tools that satan has used and before and i know a while ago we're picking on eve right Right. in the garden like she satan got her discontent and she she started seeing things she didn't have that god Mm -hmm. might be holding from her but even the disciples in the New Testament weren't immune to this. Remember, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Yeah. They were comparing who's going to get to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom. And 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 Jesus had to call them out, right? Look, right. The, whoever's going to be the servant is going to be the greatest of all. And and so if if the apostles themselves were struggling with that, we, we got to keep ourselves in check. Remember, we're not going to be immune from that either. Well, I think the, the thing that happens and the reason it's getting so much attention in young people is their answer is just to not be around. But as adults, our we've our brain has developed and and we have other ways of dealing with this comparison. And I think a huge one speaks to the a massive amount of debt that exists in our country. Mm-hmm. We just think well we'll buy our way right 
out of this. We will just buy more things to make that comparison to, to what they have and what I have. We'll, we'll try and shrink that gap. And so we, we swipe the card and we do and and we dig ourselves into a hole trying to have what everybody else has. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be a huge danger. Um, or, you know, we, we, we're going to start doing this with the gym or going, and, and it's all of these things that being healthy is a great thing. But when the motivation is, I just want to look as good as they look, mm-hmm. then, then it becomes a toxic thing. It's, it's a missed motivation. But I think even in the church, in our Christian walks, I think this comparison game can be equally as fatal um, as as it can be in social media with students. I think there are so many times, and for me, as I turn, get ready to turn 29, I have my 29th birthday's coming up, I've really processed in the last couple months the people that I looked up to as a teenager were my age, and I thought like they, in their family, they had young kids, I thought everything that they have was perfect. And in a lot of sense, I have a lot of the things mm-hmm. that they had. And I'm like, holy cow, having kids is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Being married is really hard. It is. It, do it, and, and in our Christian walk, I think a lot of times we look at other people and we look at their Sunday best that they, mm-hmm. they bring to the table. And we like, I'm never going to be as good of a Christian mm-hmm. as they are. And I can be, think it can be just as toxic with our body image and with our, our you know, possessions mm-hmm. in the church, right? in our Christian walk. Yeah, it can. It, one of the sermons that we did this past summer, one of the series we did was called We Are Morningstar. And one of those we were laying out how we are, we are a perfect church for imperfect people. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, like everybody comes to church and puts on their face, right? Like and we gave this scenario that Sunday morning you get up, you, husband and wife are arguing, they're fighting because they're not, they're not having a good morning. And then the kids aren't getting ready and they've lost their shoes and you're chasing socks around trying to look for socks and, and trying to, and there, one of them's got a shirt untucked. One of them doesn't have a shirt on and one of them you got dressed and they took their clothes off and now this whole circus and we all can kind of relate to that. And then like, you're already running late. So everybody get in the van like right now. And there's always that one that's dragging behind, getting their jacket or whatever. And you get in the van, you're driving to church. The kids are fighting the back and you're, you're yelling at the kids to stop fighting and you're still mad at your spouse and you but you pull into that church parking lot and what do we do we're like hey everybody put smiles on your faces right and and right. you pull into your spot and you give your kids the talk of death right mm-hmm. if you guys act up you know what I'm saying like like it's like you're gonna be grounded forever like we're it's gonna not be good for you put a smile on you're gonna be happy we're gonna go worship Jesus and you're gonna be glad about it and you get you open the door up and it's like this perfect family getting out ah. and yeah. somebody else sees that and goes man this morning we together. This morning I couldn't get my kids dressed. Yeah, and all the exactly, same things. Exactly, but they don't see the messiness, right? Mm-hmm. We're always coming back to this idea that, and and they start comparing, and they don't know that hey, they've gone through the same thing. But we do. We put that church face on it because we're not a like something switched. Like we're not okay with people. We think we have to put on the show. We think mm-hmm. we got to have it all together. And one of the things about God's grace is that we don't have it all together. He's the one that gives us that grace and that mercy. 
But we have switched, we've flipped the script a little bit in our Western Christianity that says, no, I have it all together, yeah, and I'll control this. And we kind of push God's grace completely out of the side, like it doesn't even matter. And so one, and that's a that's a sin issue on our part, we, right? We, but we're like, but I don't want to be messy. I don't want to bear my brokenness. But here's, it's not that we air our dirty laundry. That's not what we're saying, do, but we've got to get back to the place where it's God and his grace and his mercy that sustains us. And we're just, man, and, and we can support one another and encourage. And I think that would kill this comparison game. We just see, Hey, this might be a hero of the faith of mine, but they're a real person. Like they're struggling just like I struggle, but yet they're leaning in closer to Christ. So I'm leaning closer to Christ instead of leaning into the comparison game. Have you ever had this happen, John? This happens to me every once in a while. One of the teenagers will be like, I'm just really working on trying to read my Bible every day. I just wish it was as easy for me as it was for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're sitting there like, that reminds me, I can't miss reading my Bible. That's right. Today. Yeah, <laughs> I got to go read my, I got to catch up from a couple of days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. And there's always this assumption, like as pastors, that, that our Christian walk isn't hard too. And, right. and that's why, I mean, you and I are very specific. Um, we don't address each other very often as pastor, whatever, right. even in front of our people, because we don't want to air this idea that we've got some special, perfect formula and perfect mm. Christian routine down yep. that, that we don't also struggle mm -hmm. to work. We have to work hard to have that quiet time. Yeah. And, that I mean, and you, honestly, our Sunday mornings sometimes look just like that. And you know, it's it's fun. We can laugh now, but when you're going through, it's 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 real life. It's we live in a sin broken world, and and I'm still a broken sinner. You're still a broken sinner. We're saved right. by grace. We're trying to grow as closer and more Christ like every day, just like everybody else. It's a grind for us, just like it is for everybody else. Yeah, it, it is, and it's just one of those things. I think it's it's so dangerous to always. Um, put on this front one because then when you fall apart everybody's like what I thought everything was good with them mm -hmm. instead of when you have a small issue being able to confront that issue while it's small mm -hmm. like, there's nothing worse than when a, a couple comes in and wants to talk about their marriage and they're like hey you know for three years we've been struggling and it started with this and it wasn't a really big deal when this happened but now, and they lay out everything that's on the table, and you're like, just wish you would have come to me three years ago. Right, right. Like, man, what we could have done if we could have worked. Th now there's so much baggage mm -hmm. to unpack. And not that it's hopeless, but if we could just be authentic with what's really going on inside, and we didn't live that social media style life right. when we came to church and realized this was an okay place to not be okay, but not an okay place to just stay there. Yeah. Like we're going to walk together in this. We're going to walk together in our brokenness. We could really kill the comparison game and walk forward in in a new um, supported game. You know, a mm -hmm. game where we're all playing on the same team, and it's not a one-on-one -on -one game now. It's a It's a team game. Right. And we get focused on the enemy is whoever has what I want mm -hmm. instead of the enemy is who's trying to shift my focus. Absolutely. And, and so then the, the question comes down to how do we break that cycle? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we break the cycle of the comparison game? And, and because we do still live in a sin fallen world, we can't eliminate it totally. But I think the 
child of God, the believers, we can move towards victory in this uh, because Jesus said all power is given to me in heaven and earth, right? And so, and he doesn't want us living in the bondage of something he's already set us free from, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, he looked at the uh, the woman caught in adultery and, and he said, where are your accusers? And he said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And so I think at some point we can't just keep justifying our comparison game that we're playing saying, well, it's just how everybody else is. And it's just how I am. It's how I grew up. It's how I was raised. And no, at, at some point we've got to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, go and sin no more. Like Jesus mm-hmm. does not want me living as a follower of him, comparing my life to others or comparing what I have or don't have to others. And I think really it boils down to, we have to, it comes down to discipleship in the church. We've got to grow and speak truth into the lives of the people in our church. We got to speak truth to the lives. And really, if so for me, like I can't change everybody, but you know who I can start with? One is me. I can start with me as a husband and a father. I can shepherd my family. I can, I can help prepare my boys to, Hey, look, this is, this is wrong. Like how we live. And, and, you know, we, we, and I know everybody's different. Like our boys don't have social media. Um, they're not going to get social media anytime soon. Um, not that not, again, not cause it's bad, but I'm trying, I'm trying to break that cycle. You know, right. I'm trying to break that cycle of, Hey, I don't want you looking at the other stuff and comparing cause they already have enough comparison as it is going on everywhere else. So I don't want to give them another tool to do that. Um, but we really have to prepare them yeah. um, and start discipling our kids. And for those maybe that are listening, don't have kids, whatever, how, how can you start? Start with you. Right. Start with you. So, you know what, from this day forward, it's all, I'm, I'm going to be, even Paul said, I've learned whatever station I'm in to be content. And that guy was just got finished getting beat, thrown in prison, losing everything. And yet mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? I'm content. And even though he used to be very wealthy, I mean, he right. was a Pharisee, right? He had, he you know, had money. Means. He had, he had means and he, he pretty much lost all of that. And he's like, but I'm content. And so st- it's got to start with us. Right. I'm going to determine and, and the power of, uh, cause I can't do it on my own power. But I'm determined through staying faithful, reading my my Bible, staying faithful, praying, staying faithful, getting somebody to help hold me accountable and moving towards Christ's likeness. Put on the mind of Christ, like Paul says. Let yeah. his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he later on goes on to say, who who um, took on the form of a servant. Right. Right. Well, if servant doesn't compare himself to others because he's just a servant, he's working for the master. Right. And that's all we are. So we got to start with us. Right. I think it's it comes down to being content. It comes down to what are we focusing on? Are we for focusing on our pursuit of Christ or our pursuit of happiness? Mm-hmm. If we focus on our pursuit of happiness, we're never going to be be fulfilled. If we focus on our pursuit of Christ in that relationship where we're broken, he, he comes in and he redeems those areas of our lives. And they become now, our brokenness becomes areas of celebration because he stepped in in those areas and he has redeemed those things. And so... Mm-hmm then we can really be authentic. And that's what it comes down to, I think, is mm-hmm. is being authentic. You know, it's so easy to to get up and say, I've been doing church for over 20 years. I know how to put the church on, the church me on. Um, but we got to just leave that at home. <laughs> yep. It's not worth it. It. I think it builds a disdain in our kids when we're yelling at them on the way to church and we get out acting like everything's great. It builds disdain for our church, our kids in the church because they don't see authenticity even in their own parents mm-hmm. when they step out of the car at church. It builds surface-level relationships that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. 
because nobody's allowed to know us and know when we're just having a rough day. Right. Um, and it, and it just, it builds a false reality in a place where somebody should be able to walk in broken Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable with the fact that there are other broken people around that want to help them get out of their brokenness. Right. Right. And that's true. And, and I guess if we were going to kind of wrap this up and what I, I'm going to circle back around to young people. Yeah. For just a moment. And you've been to a number of camps Mm -hmm. and been around teenagers for, I've been to a number of camps all over the country and, it's a lot of people are really quick to wash their hands of the younger generation thinking that they're unreachable or they're hard to reach. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it's actually a lot easier than mm-hmm. a lot of people think they are so hungry because they are wrapped up in this comparison game and we can break the cycle. And when you just talk to them about, Hey, there's, you don't have to live that way. Like there's hope yeah. out for what you're the cycle that you're caught in where you just keep getting discouraged and depressed because of, you're trying to find happiness. You think that's a sort, that's the whole purpose of life, but you're not finding it. And when you're able to point to them that the happiness that they're chasing after is like chasing the wind, they're never going to get there, but here's Jesus. And here's what he did that like your source now becomes a source of joy living in you, man, they eat it. Up. They're so hungry for yeah. that because they are just as tired of playing the comparison game as we are. And I, that's why I love being a part of camp. I love being a part of, of, of youth ministry still. Um, and it, God's still working. He's not done, but we just got to have a generation of people to stand and say, it's enough. Right. Like we're ready to live for Christ and live like Christ and engage this world who is hopelessly in this cycle mm-hmm. and start breaking people out of that cycle. Yeah, that's good. Well, until next week. 